Welcome to this episode of Viatorian Voices, Conversations on the Way. This episode is another roundtable on the way, a more in-depth feature to explore things a little further than we can squeeze into the usual 15 minutes. For this installment, we are marking Religious Brothers Day, celebrated each year on May 1st, along with the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker. The Viatorian community is comprised of professed brothers and priests, as well as lay associates. So today we join the church in celebrating the religious brothers of our community and all those religious brothers who serve worldwide. In Viatorian formation, all members begin as brothers, a title they first gain during their novitiate. Novices are considered members of the community and are called brother. When they profess their first vows, they also use the suffix CSV after their names and begin religious life as brothers. While some brothers discern God's invitation to the priesthood, whether very early in religious life or later on, many professed Viatorians also live out the entirety of their religious life as brothers. While a certain few roles are constrained only to priests, brothers have served and continue to serve in a myriad of integral roles in Viatorian life. In everyday ministry, brothers serve in a variety of capacities, from faculty and staff roles at our schools to the leadership of our institutions. In community governance, brothers serve as directors of formation, counselors to provincials and superiors general, or even as assistant provincial, like Brother Michael Gosh in our current leadership. In vocation ministry, we highlight the composition of our community as a strength, a place that honors the identity and witness of both brothers and priests, and more widely, our women and men lay associates too. Young men in discernment learn of the vocation of a brother and would more deeply immerse in religious life as a brother when they reach their novitiate year. Today, we're glad to share with you a conversation with some of our Viatorian brothers serving in active ministry now. So let's introduce our guests. Brother Rob Robertson, CSV, has been in Viatorian religious life for 34 years. In his religious life, Brother Rob has served as a teacher, campus minister, and counselor at Viatorian schools in Illinois and Nevada. He currently serves as a counselor at St. Vider High School in Arlington Heights, Illinois, and also serves the Viatorian community as a provincial counselor. Brother Peter Lamick, CSV, has been in Viatorian religious life for six years and professed perpetual vows in 2019. Brother Peter has served as a teacher, learning specialist, and coach at Cristo Rey St. Vider College Prep in North Las Vegas, Nevada, and at St. Vider High School, where he currently works. I'm Dan Masterton from Viatorian Vocation Ministry and I had the privilege of leading this conversation with these two Viatorian brothers. We recorded our conversation in the Viatorian residence at St. Vider High School in Arlington Heights, Illinois. After my opening question, you'll hear first from Brother Rob, followed by Brother Peter. Enjoy. Single life sometimes is thought of as simply not married or not religious or not ordained, when truly it should be acknowledged for the things it is positively, the potential for profound openness and flexibility, the opportunity to give of yourself more generously, more freely, and more. So perhaps religious brotherhood sometimes gets the same treatment. People view it simply as not priesthood or maybe even like the male version of being a sister. So maybe we can start by trying to fix that a little bit here. So how would you guys explain brotherhood in its own terms? What would you say it means to be a brother? Well, I do think there are a lot of misconceptions about a brother whenever I introduce myself as Brother Rob Robertson, the very first thing people always say is, well, what's the difference between a brother and a priest? So that's really a very good question. I I think there are so few brothers that people really don't know 
who we are. So, you know, you could do the very simple answer. We are, you know, the male version of nuns, but that does not fully explain who we are. What I usually try to say is we're basically the same as a priest, but we do not perform sacramental ministry. We do not, um, I do not say mass. I do not hear confessions. Um, those are the main differences. I still don't know whether people understand that. Um, the, the question that people sometimes ask that really is annoying is, when are you going to go all the way? And I'm like, well, I pretty much gone as far as I'm going to go because this is my vocation. So yeah, that's a very good question. As a brother, I profess vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. And I often get the question, well, can brothers marry? So um, we do profess uh, three vows, but our ministry is a lot of times it's things other than sacramental ministry. So uh, it's teaching, social ministry, like some of our, our brothers work with uh, immigrants seeking asylum. Uh, personally, I'm a theology teacher um, and coach. We do a lot of the ministries that lay people do. Um, so I think there's a there's kind of a, a solidarity that we have with lay people. But we really, I guess for for me, I really try to stay focused on um, kind of like the basic fundamentals of the gospel, living out those gospel values that lead me to love God and love my neighbor in kind of a deeper way every day. I like the fact that in a way that everyone can kind of do the things that I do, but uh, and, and so I'm, you know, trying to kind of set an example, trying to encourage and and kind of uh, spread uh, a joy for uh, living those gospel values. And I think as brothers, there is a kind of a, a sense of approachability because in a way we're we're doing a lot of the same things that, that other people do, but really just trying to, yeah, focus on those gospel values. I think uh, when you first asked this question, I, I think one of the things that you said really makes a lot of sense to me. The opportunity to give of myself more generously and freely. I'm a school counselor. I've been in education my entire, uh, my entire ministry as a viatorian. But I could be doing the exact same thing that I do as a religious, as a layperson. Um, everyone else in my office is a layperson. But the fact that I'm doing it as a religious brother allows me to do it more generously and more freely. My time is completely about my ministry. When I come home, I, I come home thinking about how can I minister more? I, I don't have the binds of you know, worrying about a family um, situation or you know, all of the things that families have to go home and, and, and think about and, and take care of, the things that I think about or, or try to look at are things like, how can I minister more? What more can I do? What more do our students need? I know Brother Peter and I are, are thinking of ways that we can get our students here at St. Vider more involved in direct service to the community. 
And I know if I were a family person, I wouldn't have the time to do that. If I were a priest, I probably wouldn't have as much time to do that. But in my role as a brother, since I don't have those obligations of sacramental ministry, I can look and see where there's a need that I can fill that's good for our students. So I do think the whole thing of giving of myself more generously and freely is one of the positives of being a brother, at least for me. The very relationship of like the brother is kind of a horizontal relationship where it's a little bit different. Like a priest is called father Uh, with brother. I think there's, there's this kind of inherent sense of equality. There's this relatability. And I think it kind of, it kind of reflects the the heart of what it's all about that I think we we see each other um, and see that kind of the heart of this vocation is it's all about service, that we're all about serving other people. And I think it also speaks to what is that kind of authentic authority, so to speak, an authority that comes from the way we treat people, the way we care for people, the the way we the way we speak about people, the way we live out those gospel values is what kind of radiates a desire, I think, in others to live the gospel. I want to unpack that part a little bit, because I think you guys hit on something that's true across the church, I think often to kind of an involuntary extreme, is that lay people or people who don't belong to religious life will put priests on a pedestal, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And you guys are talking about this opportunity of a brother by not being called to sacramental ministry. You're almost liberated to have more space for other flexibility or other presence, maybe other kind of apostolic creativity within that. So is there a time when you've been serving in your ministries in counseling or in teaching or coaching where, you know, not to dump on priests, but to know that you indeed as a brother are right where you need to be, where you know that, no, I don't need to study for ordination. I don't need to go back to school. Who I am right now and the religious life I live right now is right where I need to be and right where my vocation rests. Yeah, definitely for me. I've been um, a religious brother since 1987, and I've never felt a call to priesthood. Um, I don't think the priests put themselves on a pedestal, but I do. I do agree that the people a lot of times put them up on the pedestal. I don't feel like that with the brothers. I've never felt that the people I minister with have put me on that pedestal. And I I do believe it's because I don't do the sacramental ministry. There's just something in people's minds that priests, and like Peter said, father has a different connotation than brother. So I really do think that it, it does give me a lot more flexibility and openness to maybe be more who who I am um, without having that burden of being put on a pedestal and people having expectations of what a priest should be or must be or whatever. I, I feel like, you know, I don't know how to say this other than I feel like I can get, I can get you know, down into the mud with people. You know, I can really, you know, and I've done it. I mean, I've gone on service experiences where, you know, I've I've dug trenches before. I've, you know, I've gone to uh, 
places with babies who are addicted to cocaine and I've rocked them in the rocking chairs. I mean, I've just done things that just were were more, you know, just who I am. And I think if as a priest, if I would have gone in there, people go, oh, father's here. They didn't do that with me. And, and I do think that just opened a lot more doors for me as a brother personally. I think there's um, there's a certain kind of gift that comes with being a brother. And I think there's this maybe heightened sensitivity or attention or awareness of people who are suffering in a way that kind of, I think, even at least for me, affects the way uh, I do ministry, you know, who I think about when I pray at night. And I, and I think it, it does very much affect, in a way, being on the lookout for anyone who is struggling and in suffering in my, you know, in the people I know and, and the people I serve. Maybe a couple months ago, I was uh, teaching in, in class and one of my students was really uh, over the period of like a couple of days, just acting very differently than she, how she was acting kind of throughout the year. There was a, a kind of a sadness in her face, a kind of a detachment, not really engaged in what we're doing. And one of the classes, um, it kind of came to a head that she actually started to, to actually kind of act out something that she had never done before. And the bell had rung and I asked her if, you know, um, if she wanted to kind of uh, talk after class and rather than kind of getting frustrated with her, um, I just asked her, you know, what's, what's going on here? Because I've seen kind of this change, you know, how can I, how can I help? And she talked about how her family was going through kind of some struggles and over the last few weeks, just a lot more had been put on her. And it was a moment that I definitely felt the Holy Spirit kind of speaking through me that I was and in kind of just working through me and, and being able to kind of spot this and pay close attention and to, to identify that, you know, there was something going on here. And rather than getting frustrated and angry that, you know, she wasn't engaging with what we're doing in class, but thinking about, well, what might be going on here? And how can, how can I serve her? How can I help her? And I know this really meant a lot um, to her. And she was, you know, very grateful for, I think, just the idea that someone uh, paid enough attention to her, that they, uh, that I was able to recognize that, she was going through something. And I, and I think it gets to that kind of gift of being a brother that we kind of, yeah, have this kind of heightened sensitivity to people who are kind of struggling. I, I, I think our priests, you know, they have a lot of these same gifts. I, I think that unfortunately they have to get bogged down so much with the administrative duties. Um, you know, running a parish is not easy. You know, you always have to worry about, you know, salaries and money and fundraising and all the things that are not fun. Um, I think the brothers get to do the fun stuff. We don't have to worry about the 
the stuff that's not fun. And, you know, I feel bad sometimes for the priests because I know they want to do the ministry stuff that, that we get to do freely. And we're not worried about, well, how am I going to keep the lights on? How am I going to pay the salaries? How am I going to do this? And sometimes I've heard some of the priests in the community say, I envy you guys who are brothers who don't have all the weight on your shoulders that we have. Running the school, running the parish, worrying about all these responsibilities. Not that we don't have responsibilities as brothers. Some of our brothers have had some very significant ministries that they've been in charge of. But I, I do get a sense of there, some of our priests get very tired of the many responsibilities that they have that are much greater than my responsibilities. So, you know, I just wanted to throw that out there that I, I know that they've got the same compassion and, and all the things that we have as Viatorians, but a lot of extra responsibilities. And I get the sense too, when you talk about the responsibilities that aren't thrust upon Viatorian brothers, that that space for flexibility, sensitivity, immersiveness is also true of your spiritual life as brothers, that maybe there are fewer times where you have to miss a community meal or a community prayer night. And maybe you have a different capacity to sustain that community life and personal and communal spirituality in your religious life that maybe a priest is challenged in different ways and doesn't have. And so kind of on that note, I'm thinking the Viatorians are a little unique in terms of religious congregations because some congregations men go into studies and ordained and you're talking about completely a congregation of priests. There are some congregations like some of the teaching communities that are exclusively brothers. Here in the Viatorians, we have this mix where every man enters formation and is called brother from his novitiate onward and into his religious life. But then some of them do discern called a priesthood and studies and ordination and others remain brothers for their entire life. The Viatorians are a mix. What's, I mean, obviously you've only belonged to one religious congregation, but what's your experience of being part of a community where brothers and priests are largely seen as equals with these small exceptions of sacramental leadership or the capacity to serve in certain roles? What does it mean that every Viatorian is part of this mixed community of brothers and priests, and frankly, also women and men associates who belong to the Viatorian community? What does it mean to be a brother in a community that's that combination of people? That really is, for me, one of the blessings of being a Viatorian is there is no pressure to be ordained a priest. The brothers and the priests are absolutely equal. In fact, worldwide, there are many, many, many more brothers than priests. The uh, The province here in the United States is, is more unique that there are more priests than brothers. But you go to the province of Canada, it's it, it's way the opposite. There are way more brothers than priests. So here in this country, there is absolutely no distinction between a brother or a priest, except in our ministry assignments. It, it's a great blessing. It, it's I see no difference between how I'm treated, how I'm looked upon, the responsibilities that, that I've been given in the, the community. Um, I've been on the provincial council. Uh, this is my second term on the provincial council. I've been on multiple leadership committees. So yeah, it, it's, we're equal. Since I joined the community eight years ago, I've never had 
an experience with a, a Viatorian priest where I felt they, you know, exuded any sense that they were somehow better than me or better than anybody else. We kind of appreciate the different ministries, sacramental ministry and those kind of more teaching and social ministries. And I think there's a real sense of equality, a sense that we are, in a way, brothers together. And I do think the fact that a lot of our a lot of our priests lived as a brother for years, um, I do think it changes the way and has changed the way they kind of relate to other people and work with other people as priests. Um, our Viatorian priests are very collaborative. They love people. They love being around people. And I think it's, they had a, I don't know, just a great foundation in that the the brother vocation, you know, necessitates kind of working with others and kind of, you know, standing shoulder to shoulder with people on an everyday basis and just kind of going to work and doing ministry. Our big celebration as Viatorians is when we take our vows. Uh, we we take our vows as a religious brother. Everyone takes that vow. We celebrate the anniversary of our vows as religious brothers. We also celebrate the anniversaries of priesthood, but the bigger anniversary is the anniversary of our vows. That's what we all share in common. That's who we are first and foremost. We are Viatorian brothers, some of which have decided to go and, and feel a call to ordination. But we are Viatorian brothers, all of us. And that's, um, as Peter said, that's why I think there is no separation between us, that we all are equal in our brotherhood. When I was learning about Viatorian formation as I was starting in this role of vocation ministry, it was really neat to me to learn that Every man in formation, when he continues from pre-novitiate into his novitiate, is considered a brother. And no one during that early stage of formation is considered like a pre-priest or a priest-to-be. Everyone is a brother from the early days and through their first vows. And then only when they approach the community with the desire to discern priesthood is that considered and then laid out and then maybe leads to ordination. And so I think that kind of leads into another, what I would consider a strong gift of the Viatorian community is that Sometimes when we're trying to portray the community's ministries and mission and what all of our, our professed men and associates are doing, we will look at the priests and we'll celebrate that, yes, our priests are running parishes in the Diocese of Joliet or the Diocese of Las Vegas, and they're serving communities within a diocese. But those men remain Viatorians first and foremost, and they're just kind of discharging their ministry in that particular area of the church with those particular people of God but they remain a Viatorian first and foremost. And I think that's neat to think about in that term of you know someone serving in a diocesan setting, but also true of brothers who are teachers in high schools, counselors in high schools, um, who go out into educational leadership or to serve those who are on the margins of society. I think that the fact that you remain a Viatorian first is one of the gifts of this community and how the charism is animated through the community life and ministry of everybody. So I wonder, is, is there anything else you'd want to reflect upon about that core identity that perhaps is is true across the board of priests, brothers, associates, even members of our community more broadly, but 
how, how have you seen that core identity as, especially as a gift in your religious life as a brother? Some of our Viatorian brothers have held some of the most significant positions in our entire history of Viatorians here in the United States. We have had brothers who have been the deans at some of the top universities in the United States. Brother Leo Ryan was the Dean of Students at the University of Notre Dame, the Dean of Students at DePaul University, a world traveler who never got his driver's license, if you can <laughs> believe that. But he traveled all over the world. We, we, we had brothers who were the CFOs of, of diocese who ran the entire financial organization for, a, for diocese. We've had brothers here in Chicago who were assistant superintendents of the archdiocesan school system here in Chicago. We've had brothers who have had very high positions within the Catholic Church in the United States. So they have the brothers have contributed in ways sometimes that priests could not participate because of the way that they were able to get their education and the things that they were interested in which I think is, is pretty fascinating. I don't know whether they would have gotten those same positions if they would have been ordained because they they were able to serve who they were without the ordination piece. In the roles that you identified, I was thinking, I don't know if you were thinking of Brother Don being in charge of curriculum and instruction Absolutely. for the archdiocese, uh -huh. but those are really concrete extensions of the Viatorian charism going all the way back to Father Curbs and the need for better education and more support for local communities that want to educate their young people in the faith. And here are brothers on the front lines doing that ministry exactly. And how, how perfect and fitting for what the Viatorians are trying to bring to the world and the church. Brother Michael Gosh is someone who has really been one of the most significant leaders in our community. He has uh, ministered to asylum seekers and refugees uh, really over the last nine years. And in working with asylum seekers and refugees, he had a vision for starting a house of hospitality for young men uh, seeking asylum and for us to establish as a, um, as a religious congregation to actually establish a whole new ministry where in, in the past we've been very uh, focused on education and always young people. And in a way, he kind of uh, has been a leader in, in a kind of a new evolution of a part of our charism and helping to serve those accounted of little importance by some in our world, people coming from all different places around the world seeking kind of a haven here in the United States to establish a place for young people where they could be safe and as it's turned out, a place where um, they can be kind of safe and sound enough to actually pursue degrees um, and to be able to get their, their kind of life started here in the United States. Um, but I really credit him, Brother Michael Gosh, as really being uh, kind of someone who's uh, encouraged us to think of our charism in, in new ways through the very ministry that he's done. And Brother, Brother Gosh is been doing that for 40 years. I mean, ever since I've been in the community, 
when I first came into the community, he was working at a social service agency on the north side of Chicago. He was the only Viatorian working in social services. He, he is a certified social worker, and almost every other Viatorian was working in parishes or schools at the time. He was kind of the lone ranger out there, but he was calling all of us to look at those who were on the margins, those who were counted of little importance, and he, he kept going and going and going. Even when he was doing it by himself, he was calling the rest of us to to look at that in our charism. And he didn't give up when it was frustrating sometimes when others were looking at him like, who's this crazy guy out there doing these things that none of the rest of us are doing? And why is he doing this? And why is he living in an apartment in Uptown? But he kept calling us to join him. And I was working at St. Vider High School at the time, and he called us to take students and work with him and go to the social service agency and distribute food and stay overnight in shelters and go to soup kitchens. And it just kept encouraging all of us to do all that we could as Viatorians for those who are counted of little importance. And that came strictly from Brother Gosh. He he kept pushing us to be all that we could be in that area of, of Father Curves' vision. So there, you know, Again, another example of a, of a brother in our community who was able to be free to be who he was without maybe the restrictions of administrative duties that might come along with the more structured church, because there's nothing structured about Brother Gosh. He marches to the beat of his own drum, which is exactly the kind of people we need in our world to call us out to the margins. In a previous conversation, uh, Brother Michael shared a story about uh, a friend of his who had heard him talk about a particularly long and challenging day and asked him, Brother Michael, how can you do all this? And Brother Michael's response to her was, how could I not? And I think that is sort of the kind of ministerial creativity and flexibility that you guys are gesturing at in a nutshell is that that innate wisdom to say, I have the space in my life and my spirit to meet all these needs to the best of my ability and to be present for these people who might need me. Is there anywhere else, whether in our current, you know, community among those who are active, or maybe in the past in your formation or in people that you've worked with in previous placements, who sometimes we would call these podcast conversations like the giants of the community? So I think Brother Michael kind of carries that example into active ministry today. But are there people who maybe have passed on or people who are no longer in active ministry who have been particularly important mentors or have have formed you in ways that you can feel in the way that you live and serve today. Brother Rob mentioned Brother Leo Ryan. Um, I had the gift of being able to spend a year living with uh, Brother Leo, uh, along with a lot of our uh, senior members during my novitiate. And Brother Leo was very intentional about building a relationship with me. Um, he'd invite me to to kind of come and sit down in his room and share stories, stories about some of the different places he served, places he's traveled, uh, experiences and changes in the community since he entered. And he had a real, um, I think, good, healthy pride as a brother. Um, it was really an important part of his uh, identity. Um, and he also knew I was kind of interested in teaching. So a lot of the stories he shared was about, you know, stuff in the classroom and his kind of personal philosophy and approach to 
to education and teaching. Um, and I remember one story he talked about chasing and kind of running one of his students down who was kind of struggling. He went all the way to this like local college bar and, you know, had kind of a heart to heart with this guy who was kind of struggling in his class, ended up helping this this student kind of turn things around. Um, but really, he kind of very explicitly sent the message to me of like, that's what it means to be a brother that you really have to be willing to go to great lengths to try to help people and serve people. And that to be an educator is more than just teaching content. It's about building relationships with people and really taking seriously those relationships that you have. For me, the person that I think of is brother Dale Barth. There was no one in our community um, who was as down to earth as brother Dale Barth, Johnny Cash, cowboy boots, and a pocket knife describes brother Dale Barth to a T. He was rough around the edges, but he would give you the shirt off his back. He was like a big old teddy bear. He had a nickname for everybody in the community. Uh, some of them not so nice, but he did have a nickname for everybody in the community. Uh, but he was loved by everyone who came into contact with him. Uh, he was at St. Vitor High School for many, many years. And alumni still ask, when he was still living, how's Brother Barth doing? He was an institution here for many years. Uh, he, he ran the bingo program here. He was, he was just salt of the earth. Smoked like a chimney. But, uh, you know, you can't fault him for that, I guess. But he he's he's one I would consider one of the giants in, in my formation. And uh, I think everyone in the community has a Dale Barth story. Another is Brother Bob Rule. He was a, a giant as a teacher here at St. Vider. He unfortunately died during the school year. And I'll never, ever forget when his casket was brought into the building. We had the funeral here at school. And the casket was brought into the building and the students lined up down the halls to to kind of be a, an honor guard as the casket was brought in and the tears running down their faces. It was a genuine loss for the students at St. Vider High School and the alums. The funeral was so big, we had to have the funeral at the local parish and it was completely standing room only. Uh, the number of people who came to his funeral. He was just a master teacher through and through. And, you know, I'll let Peter and Dan talk more about that. But I know he was a giant in our community as a brother. I remember being in homeroom after my first class with Brother Rule. And I was sitting with a friend and I was just going on and on and on about this teacher, this English teacher I had, who I just thought was the greatest teacher. I just had one class with him and his energy, his enthusiasm, his knowledge, his like running around the classroom um, was like the most, he was the most engaging teacher I'd ever had. And he it was like the first time being more of kind of like a jock person that I really enjoyed and looked forward to going to class. Like I remember the next day being excited about going to Brother Rule's class and that it had never happened 
to me before that. Um, he was definitely someone who gave me kind of a, a, a love of learning that kind of wasn't there before. And I wasn't someone that really like read outside of school and like gave me like a kind of a, uh, also like a love of reading. So it, the experience itself with him on a daily basis was a gift, but also I kind of left that whole experience with him um, having just a kind of an important kind of impact on me just as a person. Yeah. I'll offer two stories. Having had brother rule. Uh, he was a big fan of musical theater and theater in general and never, I don't think in his entire career at St. Viner high school, I don't think he ever missed a season's worth of shows. And one of the fun parts is one of his students, if you were in the theater uh, program, was that he knew the show that was coming up and he wanted to know who everyone was cast as. And usually for the time when you were in rehearsal preparing for the show, he would address you by your character name. And he might even sing to you a portion of one of the songs that you or some of your fellow characters were in. And when I was in Bye Bye Birdie, I was playing Hugo and he regularly addressed me as Hugo instead of Dan and thought it was great. And I enjoyed it a lot, too. But when he did pass away the next year when I was a freshman in college, I remember hearing about it and being in disbelief, but then finding out that there was a like a memorial board online where people were going and sharing their brother rule stories, which you can imagine was pretty, pretty funny and pretty colorful. And I remember one person very, very pithy uh, in the spirit of brother rule had just put brother rule. You are the reason why I know how to use a semicolon semicolon. You are the reason why I never use one (laughs) because he was such a, uh, you know, voracious editor of writing. And he, you know, so many people look back to high school or college and they can remember who taught them to write. And for so many of us who came through St. Vider, it was Brother Rule who was a huge part of teaching us how to write because he was so passionate about the literature he taught and he wanted so badly for you to think about it and then communicate back to him what you had concluded from reading it and being part of the discussions with him. Um, And if you didn't, he had a foam brick on his desk that he would threaten to throw at you. (laughs) But he knew that it was just, you know, just for sport. Mm -hmm. So when I think of um, a Viatorian brother, he's one of the ones who absolutely popped into my head. Never had any calling to be um, a priest, to be ordained. He was a Viatorian brother. He knew who he was. He knew what he was called to be. And it was to be a, a master teacher in the tradition of the Viatorians. Well, maybe this is a time to turn and look forward in the spirit of these great brothers who have gone before us and, and set a course for what Viatorian religious life and Viatorian brotherhood should look like. So as you look forward into you know, the coming years and the future of the church, what do you think is the place of brothers? You know, we think about the way that you know parishes are merging or closing or Schools are being reorganized. You know, even St. Vider High School had its first lay president. You know, now we're back with a Viatorian priest, but a, a lay associate is his close advisor for Viatorian identity. You know, we're kind of reimagining what a religious community looks like, how it serves the church. What do you think brothers' place in that is? Or how do you think brothers can be, you know, contributing and influencing the direction of, of what the Viatorians and brotherhood have to give the church and the Viatorian charism? When I think about the vocation of the brother and kind of brotherhood. Um, I also think about brother Rob, who is someone that really takes seriously 
building community, building community amongst us as Viatorian religious. And he's someone who really calls us to community, who facilitates building community on a daily basis. And that's part of, uh, I think, our calling as well is to build build relationships with one another, relationships of care, support that enable us to give ourselves away to other people. In a way, we are each other's support. And uh, we can't do what we do without each other. And I do think the brother has an important role in that. And I think Brother Rob exemplifies that in that mission is very important. It's, I think, the reason God invites us together and be a part of a community, caring for other people, caring for the marginalized. But also that idea of brother, I think, just implies other people being a part of a community. For me, I think being a brother, we're back to where we were at the beginning. It frees us to to dream and dream big, maybe outside of traditional um, structures, traditional administrative ways of the church, and and say, let's try something new, something different, um, without maybe being confined to well, we've always done schools, we've always done parishes. What else is out there? And I think the brothers have a little bit more freedom to to maybe challenge the Viatorian community to look beyond what we've always done, like what Brother Gosh has done with um, the Viator House of Hospitality, you know, to say, okay, what else can we do? And there's there's a place for parish. Some guys will always feel called to that, and, and I think we will always have a place there. But where else is there a need? And that's where I think the brothers in the Viatorian community really are going to be influential, um, is we can really say, what else is there? Where else can we reach out and fulfill Father Kerbs's vision of reaching out to those on the margins? So that's, that's what I see. So maybe on a related note, um, you know, as we look at vocation ministry going forward and you see young men who are considering religious life, what, what would you say to a young person who thinks they might be called to religious life or priesthood or who thinks they may be called to the Viatorians? What do you think is, is attractive? What do you think is, is a place where a young person could find a lot of life and growth by maybe discerning an invitation to become a religious brother with the Viatorians? What, what advice or, or hope would you direct to young people who might be listening to us? We had a couple of young men up here the other night, high school uh, students. I don't think they've ever laughed so hard as they did the other evening. And when they left here, that's what they said when we, we asked them, what did you think of the, the evening? And they said, we didn't know you guys were so funny. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that for a young person who has this thought in their mind, don't be afraid of it. It, it really is life-giving, life-fulfilling. I, I think for some people, they get this idea that, well, you become a brother if nothing else works out. You become a religious if nothing else works out. That's so far from what religious life is. Religious life should be, I'm called to something that is so 
life-giving and so life-fulfilling. I, I don't even know how to explain to people how fulfilled my life is. I have two brothers who are married and have families, and there's nothing against family life. It's a wonderful vocation. But I personally feel that my life has had so many more blessings. The people I live with, the guys I've worked with and ministered with, the experiences of, that I've had, the things that I've shared with these men, it, it's been beyond anything I ever could have imagined 35 years ago. I, I could, would just say to anyone who's considering it, don't be afraid. If, if you've got this in the back of your mind, don't be afraid to say yes, to give it a try. And don't ever believe that this is what you do if nothing else works out. This should be something that you say, this can be my number one choice, not my fallback position. Let marriage be your fallback position. Give religious life. A, a try because it, it is it's a very powerful experience if you you put your your whole self into it at least for me it has been yeah one of the things that brother john will often tell young men in discernment is try your best to discern from a place of abundance and not a place from scarcity mm. so mm. where do you feel a lot of momentum and passion and recognizing your gifts and feeling alive and fulfilled so that sort of positivity is really strong. And the other thing he'll say to men who are maybe on the fence about being in more regular contact or even considering an application to religious life is every stage is another opportunity to try it from the contact period to application all the way into pre-novitiate and novitiate. And even for men who make first vows in the Viatorians, temporary vows only bind you to your religious life for a period of time. And then you are continuing your discernment with the community to decide if you're going to renew your vows or if you're prepared for perpetual vows. And that even that in and of itself is another step along the way. So this mm -hmm. idea of trying it and seeing right. where your life is, is, you know, filled with this joy and this, right. and this passion is fulfilled. And, and listen to what other people are saying to you. I never would have been religious if I wouldn't have listened to what other people see in me. Because if people are saying, you would be a good religious they're seeing that's that's God calling you. It's not some big voice that, you know, you can't discern people telling you, you know what, this is something that we see in you. That's where a call comes from, just as much as waiting for a lightning bolt, which isn't going to come. <laughs> when I was kind of starting to think about and discern <clears throat> religious life, I remember kind of the these kind of contradictory feelings. On the one hand, uh, kind of a, a sense of attraction to community and serving people, but on the other, also feeling this sense of kind of fear and worry. Well, you can't get married. Well, you can't have kids. And this kind of fear and worry that, you know, it's just sacrificial, but there's no like real joy there or happiness there that okay, you really help people, but, you know, it's a great sacrifice. And what I've, what I've discovered that the, the life is such a gift and it's, it's, it is demanding in the sense that, uh, yes, you know, working hard at our spiritual life and serving people and building relationships and community, but it's a, it's a joyful life and it's not something I do, but I feel like it's, this is just who I am. 
that since I've joined the community that I feel much more like myself than I did before I was a part of it with the people I live with, with the people I serve with, that I don't feel like it's this kind of act that I'm putting on, but something that is, this is just kind of who God made me to be. And that living in the community and serving people is a way to continually kind of grow into the person that God created me to be. That's all for this installment of Roundtables on the Way. We'd like to thank Brother Rob and Brother Peter for joining us for this conversation. And at this time, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge all of our Viatorian brothers. Brother John Eustace, our Director of Vocation Ministry. Brother Carlos Flores, the Director of Admissions and Recruitment for Cristo Rey St. Bider College Prep in North Las Vegas, Nevada. Brother Michael Gosh, the Director of Programs and Housing for Vider House of Hospitality and Assistant Provincial. Brother Pat Johan, on Retreat Staff at the Villa Desiderata Retreat Center and Brother Michael Rice, a retired educator living in the retirement community at the Province Center. We pray that the witness and example of these men will inspire others to consider religious life and potential vocations to brotherhood. Viatorian Voices Conversations on the Way is a production of Viatorian Vocation Ministry. The Viatorians are professed brothers and priests, together with women and men lay associates, who proclaim Jesus Christ and his gospel, and raise communities where faith is lived, deepened, and celebrated. In the footsteps of Venerable Louis Curbs, and under the patronage of St. Bider, we strive to do everything well, so that through us, Jesus may be adored and loved. To learn more about our community, visit Viatorians.com, or follow us on social media at ViatorianUSA. Those seeking support and accompaniment in exploring God's invitation for them are invited to reach out to Vocation Ministry. Send us a DM on social media, or email vocations at viatorians.com to start a conversation. On behalf of Brother John and the Viatorian community, I'm Dan Masterton. St. Vider, pray for us. Adored and loved be Jesus.